Hey there, Film Buds. Welcome back to the Film Buds podcast. I'm your host, Paul. And I'm Lauren. And uh, happy Pride Month. Yes, happy Pride! Yeah, we are, of course, continuing our Pride uh, celebration all month long because all of June is Pride. Uh, It's one of those month-long celebrations. Uh, But as we mentioned, of course, in our first episode, it is different than LGBT History Month. Which is in October. Yeah, correct. Um, but all of June is Pride Month. It's a it's a whole big celebration. Uh, have you been enjoying Pride this month? Um, yes. I mean, uh, I've been enjoying us watching these movies and getting to talk about them. Um, other than that, it's it's been a very hot June. Um, so maybe maybe less excited about the weather, but definitely more excited about the content and the history. Well, you know, with that being said, if you're if you're taking part in any parades or or outdoor events for Pride this year, definitely be uh, mindful of that heat. Oh yeah, stay hydrated, wear mm-hmm. sunscreen. Everybody should wear sunscreen all of the time. It is it's good for you. Um and and stay <laughs> hydrated. Definitely also drink water, H2O, the agua for your belly. I think saying sunscreen is good for you is a logical thing. I don't think that you have to have to be too uh <laughs> See, see you'd say that, but then people still don't wear sunscreen. Well, yeah, but that doesn't change any any of the truth of your statement. Oh, well. So, uh the first few episodes of of Pride Month that we did were a little bit more serious, I would say. You know, uh, our first episode was all about the first film featuring a gay character an openly gay character um but it was a little bit more on the serious side the movie was called different from the others and it's all about sort of it's all about sort of the um the the struggle of being gay in that time and how you can get blackmailed you know under the law and so it was very very serious and and heady stuff um and then our next episode was, of course, about the uh, HIV-AIDS epidemic and, and crisis in the 80s and 90s uh, with the normal heart. Again, really not exactly like a, a fun, fun time so far. But... But we have finally gotten around to uh, doing something in Pride and, and celebrating a part of Pride Month that is a very exuberant and celebratory uh, and exciting and glamorous part of of this time of year. Mm. Uh, We're doing a whole episode about drag. Ah, drag, fantastic medium. Love it. Uh, And so drag uh, is a, you know, I think most people know, you know, some concept of drag, even if it's sort of, you know, uh, a sort of uh, stereotypical one. Mm-hmm. I assume most people probably have some picture that comes to mind when they think of drag. Yes. But drag actually is a whole interesting sub-pocket subculture here in, in America and internationally now at this point as well. I mean, drag is a, is a, is a worldwide thing now. Um, uh, and so we're going to go and, and talk about some of that history. And then, of course, we're going to use a movie to examine drag as well. And, and we decided to go with The Adventures of Priscilla 
Queen of the Desert. Uh, I've known about this movie for a long time, but I feel like a lot of people probably don't know about this movie. Everyone should know about this movie. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll talk about our familiarity with it, of course, when we discuss the movie. But before that, dear, what was your sort of familiarity with drag, uh, you know, before? Um, I guess, okay. I guess my first instances with with drag was related with my first instances with with theater um so like 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 john travolta playing um tracy turnblad's mom in hairspray the the movie that came out in like 2003 or something like that and um you know going to a performing arts high school and meeting all sorts of different personalities and like you know we had a classmate that after graduation started doing drag regularly um and so I guess like my exposure is probably younger than most I would say but not like but it's still older than a good amount of people as well like some people are born into like the drag world basically or like our performers themselves so I'm sure that they have a longer standing but I'm pretty proud of where I, where I sit in that like you know Nice, healthy medium. (laughs) No, yeah, that's fair. Uh, I guess my first instance of of any kind of awareness of of drag queens, or as as a concept, goes back to being a kid and RuPaul. Oh, see, I never, I guess, watched the RuPaul's Drag Race and stuff like that. And I'm talking about, like, way, way back. I'm talking about, like, proper 90s. Well, I also know nothing of how RuPaul became famous either. I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> RuPaul, RuPaul has been around for, for quite a while. And so that was sort of more my experience was mom knew RuPaul and liked RuPaul. That makes sense. And so that was how I ended up. Uh, RuPaul, I think, used to have, like, a daytime talk show. Like Tyra? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> like almost exactly like Tyra. Yeah, like a like a you know late afternoon daytime talk I'm sure, show. If I'm, I'm not sure mistaken, it was and I could be wrong, but that feels like a really right thing, and I feel like I sometimes saw it. Fantastic, fantastic! These are things that I never knew about. Yeah, um, and so because could you imagine my parents <laughs> watching any kind of daytime talk show? More, more specifically, I can't imagine. I can't imagine, like, of all of their options being available, the first one that your parents gravitating toward being RuPaul. No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> we watched the news. <laughs> and that was pretty much, that was pretty much it of, like, that variety of, It was of, the like... news, and then it was channel surfing until Jeopardy. Yes. <laughs> And, and then after and that, it was dinner also, of course, somewhere in that time. And as then well. after that, it was um, all of those crime shows like CSI yeah. and you know all of that Law and Order, Bones. Yeah. We were watching it, but that was probably my my original sort of exposure in any context, which I think actually was probably a whole lot of people's original exposure, um, and so which is why representation of things matters, but um always (laughs) and so but like between rupaul and then kind of like our high school years there was like a whole big gap 
you know, for me of like another pop culture figure that was like a drag queen. Um, and so, and like, I still of course saw like movies and stuff that had that's that had drag queen characters and drag in them. Um, I, I saw the birdcage growing up, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it wasn't then like until more recently that it really started, of course, to take back, you know, root into the main pop culture again um that that you know i i i and it's not like i haven't seen a drag show ever in person um i've been to events that have featured people in drag but i've never actually been to just an out and out drag show well i guess the closest thing that i've been to to a drag show is my college put on a um a drag like I guess show for lack of a better words it was like a competition it was um it was like a beauty contest but for for people in drag oh that's a show for sure yeah okay okay cool so yeah um and I and I did my my friend's makeup for it um and and that was that was an interesting experience because I'd never really like done another person's makeup before well I have but like not like drag like it was a very specific art form um but I did my best, and honestly, like, I think that he turned out beautiful. Um, but I think that that's probably, like, my only experience of, like, going to a drag show when I was practically working the thing. So, um, but I was, like, trying to think back on, like, pop culture drag characters that, like, I grew up watching, basically. And it made me think about The Little Mermaid. Yeah, and based on Divine. And, um, do you remember that the character from Powerpuff Girls that was, like, one of the villains? And it was, the name was just him. Yeah. And, like, I was thinking about that character for a really long time and was trying to figure, like, mentally, I guess, piece together whether or not that was considered, like, a drag persona or, like, a trans persona. Uh, that's a good question. And I don't have an answer for it. Neither do I at the moment. I'll look into it later. Um, but that was, that was like what I was thinking. And that was probably, I guess, like my earliest exposure to the, like a, a concept of, of, of somebody, you know, being outside of the norm. Yeah. Sort of, you know, some sort of, you know, gender, gender flex in some sort of way thing. Exactly. But I totally dug it. It was like my favorite character. Honestly, I'm not even going to lie. Um, so I, I think that it, it is really important for exposure. As you as you said earlier, you know, representation is important because, you know, the earlier you can rip off a Band-Aid of like, this is different. Why? And like, understand it. The, the easier it is to process, like when you get older, things also changing around you constantly. Yeah. Um, so... I guess we'll go ahead and jump into the meat, you know, and, and potatoes of the show. We're, we're going to talk, of course, about the history of drag. Then we'll review Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. And then uh, we have, of course, a little bit of, of news and discussion for y'all at the end of the show. Uh, but first, let's jump into the history of drag. Yes, let's. I'm so excited. So we've been talking a bit about it, and I guess we should have probably put some sort of definition first. For yes. those who didn't know, 
Uh, I apologize for that, but we'll give you one now. So, if you couldn't already guess, obviously through context clues, drag is a performative display of gender that is typically but not exclusively for entertainment purposes. Yes. Uh, And this can include gendered clothing, makeup, wigs, prosthetics, anything and everything that you can sort of put on in some sort of way to change your appearance in some sort of, you know, very specific gender fashion. Yes. Um, And so most people think immediately, of course, of men as drag queens Mm -hmm. and, and that sort of thing. But uh, drag performance can also include women dressing as men, and it can also include sort of gender-neutral displays as well, right? Drag is all about just sort of putting on some sort of very specific display of gender in some sort of way. Yes. And so uh, the history of drag um, and the history of sort of assuming gender as costume has its roots in theater. Mm Mm-hmm. Theater, of course, was originally just someone telling a story around a campfire, which graduated into someone telling a very elaborate story, like a dramatic monologue, in front of an audience. Mm -hmm. Then eventually they added in things like a chorus, and then eventually those chorus parts became like a cast. And eventually you started to have, you know, proper theater, sort of as we understand it, more so in a Western tradition. But in all examples of theater, you regularly had the theater being done entirely by men. And so all of the parts for women were also played by men. And it was usually, um, especially at a particular period in time, younger men who still had higher voices and were oftentimes sort of apprenticeships to master actors would take on some of these younger roles, you know, with the understanding that as they got older, they would eventually, of course, become the the main actor of that sort of company. Well, I mean, that's the whole joke in um, Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream, where we've got the the farmers who are putting on this production for the king, and it's just a bunch of guys, and so, of course, the, like, young baby-faced one has to play the woman, and he has a, he, you know, he has a, a whole kerfuffle about the fact that he doesn't want to do it, and, like, he should, he should be allowed to play, like, a different part, but, like, he basically gets the short straw of it, of the deal. But, yeah, no, that's the, it, it also, like, floats throughout history still as yeah. well. Uh, and... According to most people, the term drag starts in around 1870 in England. Oh, interesting. And it was, in specific, a reference to the dresses that were ultra-long that men would drag across the stage. Oh, stop it. Nice and simple and clean as that. Oh, my God. And uh, drag became you know, a prominent part of slang. And eventually, you know, even as women broke, once especially women actually broke into theater, then drag performance really became even more specific. And so vaudeville ended up being a place that had a lot of early drag performance. That makes sense. And one of them was someone named William Dorsey Swan 
who dubbed himself the Queen of Drag. And that's where we get the drag queen. And began hosting the original drag balls. Fantastic. In the 1880s. Look at the 1880s. How far we've regressed. Uh, Drag as an act originally, of course, was not associated with homosexuality. It eventually got associated with it in the 30s when it became tied to uh, attempts at trying to define a third sex. Okay. And so in this sort of early, very early discussion on sort of trans identities, drag ends up sort of getting lumped into it. Because and drag and homosexuality get tied together into this sort of discussion on a third sex. Because the outward appearance, you know, exactly. kind of lumps them together. Or, like, the, the oddness of it is just like, I'll just put you all in the third category. It's, it's much easier to just have the catch-all. Exactly. And this ends up leading to masquerade laws, as they were called at the time which are essentially laws that ban all public displays of gender nonconformity and force uh, LGBT-friendly establishments like bars to operate underground. Oh. Um, and so then this actually brings us back around to some of our discussion in last week's episode. No, uh, our first episode on the history of Pride Month when we discussed uh, the Stonewall Inn riots. Yes. So these morality laws like the masquerade laws that end up getting enacted are essentially everything that creates the base foundation that leads us right to the Stonewall riots. Fun. So part of the of the history of... of you know, the oppressive laws that led to that condition are also tied to the history of drag very directly. Copy. Okay. Which I think is a really, really interesting little tie-in and feature of of the sort of history of drag that I thought was really fascinating. Well, I mean, it had to... I think that everything has to link back to, like, you know, the origins of the problem and to begin with. You know no, what I mean? No, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um... And also, uh, drag balls are definitely, like, a very prominent thing. Like, that's what uh, the whole show Pose is about as well. Oh, okay. I've never, um, I didn't know much about that show, honestly. Yeah, that's partially about drag balls and, like, underground gay culture in, like, the 80s and 90s, if I'm not mistaken. Intriguing. And so, again, by Ryan Murphy. Well, honestly, at this point, I think I'm just a fan. <laughs> so... I'll watch it. Um, so then after the Stonewall Inn and riots, of course, um, drag queens and drag people, drag players in general, people doing cross-dressing and trans figures really, again, start to take a lot of the forefront on uh, LGBTQIA uh, activism and, and, and awareness in pop culture at large really starts to grow from that movement and then of course it really booms like i said of course with people like rupaul really taking on this massive international stardom um 
So RuPaul got famous in the 80s. 80s, 90s, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Knowing what the 80s is, that makes sense. And so, uh, like, RuPaul even had, like, a single. No. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm intrigued. I want to, I want to look it up now. I'm really glad that I could bring this information around to you. I mean, honestly, you could have said anything about RuPaul and I'd have been like, oh, really? Because I I don't know anything (laughs) about RuPaul's career other than the drag race. Well, this is, this is where RuPaul sort of got all of the, the clout and ability to go and make that show and be seen as like a definitive voice, kind of like Tyra in Top Model. This is where RuPaul got the clout to well, be, you know, that that figure. No, I totally get that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, oh gosh, um, um, the other one from the top model show, the, the, the Janice or whatever, mm-hmm. um, the one that had a lot of plastic surgery. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's these careers that they've had, but I didn't realize, I guess it was so on the, on the air, mm-hmm. so to speak. You know, it could have been anywhere. You could have been modeling other yeah. than, like, being in photos is, like, pretty much an exclusive experience. No, that's fair. Uh, RuPaul is a, is a phenomenal dresser, both in, in dresses and in suits. Oh, f- yeah, that's that's correct. Um, and so, I guess with sort of that little history of drag established, we should go and discuss the adventures of, of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Queen of the Desert, indeed. Uh, to begin, it is directed and written by Stefan Elliott. Stefan was born August 27th, 1964 in Sydney, Australia. Uh, he worked in the Australian film industry in various roles and worked his way up to feature films. And, uh, one of his big ones, if not, you know, perhaps his biggest, is The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert from 1994. Uh, Elliot came out as gay in 2012, uh, but he had uh, a civil partnership since 2008. Awesome. So that's a little bit of backstory. The film is rated R. It's an hour 44 minutes long. It stars Hugo Weaving, Guy Pierce and Terrence Stamp and oh Bill gosh. Hunter. Oh my gosh, I, I didn't know I... that that was that I didn't know that that was Guy Pierce. Yeah. I'm not even going to lie. And the premise is two drag performers and a trans woman travel across the desert to perform their unique style of cabaret. Cabaret? Mhm. I'm amazed. So that's the the plot and a little bit of the background. And as always, the people have heard enough of me yammering. So, dear, why don't you take it away? Uh, were you familiar, I guess, first of all, also with, before you, you get into your opinion, were you familiar at all with this movie before, before we started talking about it? Absolutely not. I had... <laughs> I had I had never heard of this movie before. I had heard, I guess, of the the name has like it, it rings a bell somewhere down the line, and I think that it's because of the musical that, that it became. It, yeah, it became a musical. But it was it was again another thing that like I I heard the name, but I didn't have any any idea what this what the show could possibly be about. I had never, you had nothing to plug it to. Exactly, exactly. 
So um, this was an entirely fantastic ride. Um, I really um, first off, journey movies in the sense of people going on a trip. Yeah, the, you are largely doing the movie in the context of this adventure. The uh, the 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 liminal space, as people like to like to say on on online sometimes. Yes. The space in between spaces. You're going from A to B. But the movie is is the line between them. Yeah. And um, that concept can be pretty hit or miss. You know, if you if you really got it, you've got it. If you if you don't, you fall flat, and like the whole movie is fine, but. You know, it really doesn't hit that hit that mark that you're looking for. And I think that this movie does a phenomenal job of finding very realistic, but also kind of fanci- fantastical things to do on this journey of this giant bus going across the the deserts of Australia. And it is such an interesting ride, and I really enjoyed being a part of not only just a, a completely different culture in an, in an honest sense, instead of it being in like an American sense of we don't know really what it's like to be there, but we're just going to put on a hat and say, say that that's enough and write about in a completely different culture. I thought that this was fantastic. I thought it, it was great being in Australia with an Australian director and yeah. writer who's this is this is home. You know, this is this is honest, but it's also it's also magical and I I loved all of the the there's a perfect jukebox. And I completely understand why also it was made into a musical. It's because it's it's got performance in it and it's got fantastic numbers. Um, and I think that everybody in the cast is truly doing just a, a killer, killer job. Um, you know, just our, our mains are just killing it the entire time that I'm I'm completely immersed in the story, even though I know who these people are. I didn't even know that that was Guy Pierce. And I know who Guy Pierce is. Like I had no, I had no idea. One, he's so young in that movie, and it's just a completely different part than I've ever seen. It's a completely different part than I've ever seen for any of these people, and that's what's so fun about this because they're doing such a good job. It's just, it's, it's so honest, and it's a lot of fun. We get to see them in some crazy costumes because, like, ca- what, how did they describe it? Hold on, hold on. I thought it was cabaret. Yes, as a as a cabaret. They're strange cabaret. Exactly, exactly. Strange cabaret indeed. Well, one, I I absolutely adored their like very, I guess, Australian verbiage for like what this was one in it cuz like they called it a very specific type of show. Yeah. And it it wasn't necessarily drag, but it also like well, it just it didn't stick with me because it wasn't something that I understood but it was just phenomenal that they were like everybody knew exactly what this was the the point where they were in the in the desert with the um aborigines mm-hmm. is that the right word uh yeah okay um it's phenomenal they're they got the didgeridoo going and they're fu- they're they're doing they're doing um abba's dancing queen in the middle of the desert 
it's phenomenal. They've got, oh, I love all the props. I love the costumes. This this movie is a is an absolute blast. No, uh, absolutely. And like going back to, I want to real quickly before I dive too deep into the into the movie movie itself. So often with movies with places like Australia, Africa, several other places, it's you you maybe see the characters in the airport or in a car in traffic but you're just inside the car and then you get like some b-roll of the big landmarks and then you go and you immediately are now with the characters in the most exotic reaches of these lands and now you're you're throwing them into you know the the wild desert of of australia and you know or or in the case of africa you know the deserts of africa and the plains of africa and you really strip out this context and this understanding of the fact that entire civilizations that are entirely modern live and function there that are literally no different than most of the towns and cities that you see when you travel anywhere in the world that has towns and cities. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And it's just, it's so refreshing to see Australia through an Australian's eyes. Like, I was like, oh, people live here. It just looked like a like a 90s town it looked like they were about to shoot halloween there next week you know like them driving through the desert i was like yeah that's just like arizona yeah it's just like driving through any kind of shit part of of dry arid land yeah exactly i was like oh i completely understand. oh a dust ball mining town but the thing is is like you don't make these connections until you get to see them because otherwise you're just going by what people tell you or what the mass media and then everything is foreign and weird exactly exactly no, it was absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. And everything is alien and people live so differently than me. No, they don't. No, they really don't. They just have accents. That's it. Or a different language. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> or different access to different proteins. But yeah, that's, exactly. People but just live. <laughs> yes. And, and no, it was just like, it, it really like reached out and was like, this is Australia for me without it being like me watching Animal Planet and just seeing like animals run around. Yeah, or know? some other sort of, you know, very documentarian, you know, yeah, sort of exactly. forward storytelling where it's it's very interesting and it shows me the real Australia, but, you know, it's not some sort of native person's portrayal and stamp of how they are perceiving the place that is is their home yeah no honestly yeah fantastic them them going through the desert with like the big like costumes on and the the wind catching them and they would be like 20 feet down the road and it was just oh it was such a good visual and i was like yes of course the huge shoe prop that they put up there while driving incredibly cinematic stuff that was that was there truly for the purpose of being cinematic yes you know if you if most people would if you were to really you know go is it necessary would probably say no but it's such this glorious celebratory big great moment that also is so specifically only able to be done so spectacularly in such a cinematic fashion exactly you know it really is highlighting it's it's 
its existence as a film as well you know it can live in these fantastical moments but also the fact that because this movie came out in 1994 that is a real thing that's happening right there no one digitized that flowing cape behind that thing glorious every single time and it just i don't think that I think that the balance in this movie is is perfect. I think that um there's there's a, a a perfect amount of like serious topics that we talk about but mixed in with a whole with a bunch of just whimsy and fun and just it, sprinkled across is like the all of their performance cuz it's it's literally in their blood and that's I think as a performer I I completely I love this movie. I think that it has like a perfect flow. Well, and I think I also wanted to go back and touch on the point that you were making about a road trip movie. Yes. At the at the core of the road trip movie, everyone has to be, like in any good storytelling, engaging with the theme in some kind of way. Mm-hmm. And you look at something like the Goofy movie. And that road trip is about growing up, mm-hmm. both for Max and for Goofy. Yes. And so they're both dealing with that conundrum and the growing pains and the friction of growing older, growing up at both levels of life. And it's about being a father and being a son. And that's also why you then see Pete and PJ. And so all of that's working together, and that's also why it's such a successful road trip movie. Mm-hmm. Is because the way that they also get to the end of it, and the way that their journey ties out, also ties out the journey emotionally. The reason why a road trip movie like Magic Mike XXL is such like a weird meandering road trip movie is because everyone is kind of doing their own thing. Yeah. And it's one last ride. But that's kind of it yeah and it doesn't really have a good solid emotional payoff that feels like it cinches out the story for everyone well yeah but also it has it has its its downfalls also of it being a road trip sequel movie like like the first one was not a road trip movie so now you now taking these characters on a road trip like what are we doing here then what happens with the adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, is it's about acceptance, it's about community, it's about the love of performing, it's about family. Yeah, it's about becoming a father. And all of these things are being touched on by all of our characters. Bernadette is lonely mm-hmm. and, and, and looking for a partner and looking for life again because... Bernadette has recently lost her partner. Uh, Tick is, you know, about to be a father, to your point. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's dealing with a new person coming into his life. And, and family. And, yeah, and will my child, you know, look at me with disdain when, when they find out what I do? And also, and conversely, he was very nervous about telling his, his friends about the fact that he once lived as a as a straight man and had a child with a woman 
You know, because he also didn't want them to necessarily see him differently for that either. Yeah, it's it's a it's a whole thing about, you know, identity and and, you know, self-acceptance, you know, to to live your true self. And uh you know, on a certain level, Guy Pierce's character, Adam Felicia, is also sort of the surrogate child at of the group. With Bernadette and Tick adding, acting a little bit as mom and dad. Mm-hmm. With Adam often being a pot stirrer, being the wild child. Being a bit being, of a brat. Yeah, you know. being the one that gets into trouble. Um, being the one that causes trouble. And so I think that you you really get this entire family dynamic. And the whole thing ties out also, of course, with um, with Robert joining into the group. And oh, his yes. wife leaving him. And so the entire... Spoilers. Sorry about that. Um, but, like, it happens very quickly in Robert's story. Uh, and so... And they're the over here whole, like, who the hell is Robert? <laughs> the whole story really ties out nicely. And and is centered around all of the themes that all of our characters are interacting with throughout it. And that's why it also works as a road trip movie. is because the journey is thematically relevant to the events of, of the literal journey. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Um, oh, gosh. I think that this, this movie is just, just really a slam dunk, honestly. I think that it is just a, a blast to watch. One, you know, I think that I could, I could watch this movie alone. I could watch this movie with a group of people and yeah. have a great time doing it. Yeah. You know, I think that... I think that, again, it, it touches on a lot of interesting topics that are, you know, sometimes hard to talk about. But I think that this movie also gives a, a voice to those topics as well in in the the context of such a fun movie. No, absolutely. Know? And Guy Pierce was hot. Yeah. Guy Pierce was rocking it. No, honestly, I was like, that's, I didn't know it was Guy Pierce. I'm, I'm so floored right now because I think I'm so used to hearing his voice with his American accent. Or his British accent that hearing him truly just being Australian full on. Yes, and the fact that like he's a brunette in this movie for like most of the movie is just, who are you? It was like, it was a completely different person because I knew that Terrence Stamp was in this movie. Like, there's no taking away Terrence Stamp. And there's Stamp. no hiding Hugo Weaving's face. No, at all. Those eyebrows, it's phenomenal. Um, but it works so well also because Hugo is just so... So expressive. So expressive. And that, that face just so exaggerated by drag exactly. makeup. Oh was my just gosh. so And also, like, exquisite. this is, this is, this is such a, just a good time you know to to watch some actors who are really just goddamn good at their jobs just have some fun get to do something completely different for a change and you know it it'd be it'd be a truly good representation of 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 real people and i just come on like nowadays everybody's so typecast that like nothing like this would ever be made again yeah no it's it's rare for actors to really get to, you know, everyone gets into a brand. Yeah. You know, and it's so. hard to break out of this, but Hugo Weaving is over here playing this character and then a few years later doing The Matrix. And Elrond. And, like, come on! Nobody yeah. gets to have this much fun anymore. Yeah. No, I see what you mean. And look at Guy Pierce. Mm-hmm. Hasn't had this much fun, I think, on camera in a long time. No, honestly, I, um... 
I think he's having more fun in this than he is in Iron Man 2 or whichever one. Iron is, Man 3. Ugh, God, it just doesn't matter. 2 has Sam Rockwell, who's having all of the fun. That, oh, that is correct. That, <laughs> that is Guy correct. Pierce was not having. That's right, because he's supposed to be hot. <laughs> <laughs> and cool. That's right, that's right. The anti-Tony. Um, I'm the cool one. <laughs> um... No, I really think that it's delightful. It's such a tender Terrence Stamp performance as well, because Terrence Stamp is often, oftentimes just, you know, the hard man, the tough. Oh, um, yeah, or he's like the the villain. The calculating one, yeah. Yeah, menacing. It was also just nice to see him in this really funny, very tender performance as well. Yes, honestly. It was just. Oh, God. This This is a good movie, guys. It's a really good movie. Uh, so if you had to rate The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, out of five, what would you rate it? Oh, this is five out of five, man. This is my new favorite movie. <laughs> I have been waiting for a while to talk about this movie. I've, I've been pumped for this episode. No, it's it's a really, she she has been. Um, and and I honestly, it, it, it really was a blast. I had a oh. great time with it. So good. Um... I guess I would probably also give it a five. I really find no fault with it. So yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to also go with a five. How dare it be made in the 90s? I don't know. Yeah, 94. Yeah. Uh, and I think that it still holds up. You oh, know? yeah, like, I for think, sure. I think that it's it still works today. I don't think that there's anything about it that made me go like, hmm. Looks bad. Yeah, like, ooh, that was touchy. Like, no, no I think this... that I think that it still works completely well today. I think that it's still relevant today. Ah, uh, um, watching Terrence Stamp do any number of choreography in a thong was was where I'm at today. It was great. F- phenomenal. <laughs> it was really great. Um, moving on, I guess we should start to get into our our big end of the show stuff. Yes, indeed. Um. Ezra Miller is on the run. That's a little bit of media news for y'all. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't think I'm supposed to laugh at that news. It's just the way that you said it. <laughs> you and I'm not it in there so quick. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. On the run might not be the right word. They are currently trying to serve Ezra Miller and they cannot find them. What? Yeah amazing amazing i love the continued woes of ezra miller i really think that this is just are they still in hawaii i don't know where they are no one knows where they are they don't know where they are (laughs) (laughs) they had been posting about it on social media with memes i'm crying and they had posted one of like uh the flash being like i'm in another universe And so I think that they're, I think that they're just in a K-hole somewhere. Like, I think I, that they're just high as hell. I don't know, man. I mean, that's what I'm thinking as well. I can't believe it. Um, wow. <laughs> what a whole shit show. <laughs> so that's, that's our first little bit of, of media news that I wanted to throw out for y'all. I, I can't believe on the run. I'm, I'm, that's the, that's the quote of the whole episode now. <laughs> uh, As another little bit of news, and this is one, it's a little bit older news by the time that we're talking about it, but uh, I wanted to talk about it because I I haven't told Lauren all of the news about this story yet. And so they've recently announced the Joker 2 is is 
officially being worked on. Todd yes. Phillips is working on a script again. Joaquin is going to come back. Um, it's going to be a musical. <laughs> uh, which has really thrown off a lot of the discussion about Joker 2. People who were originally excited for Joker 2 are now less. I think I'm more excited. No, exactly. And then people who did not give a shit are like, you know what? I'm on board. I didn't see the first one, and I think that I could skip it to just watch the musical. Yeah, I think it's a pretty chaotic dice roll for Uh, for the film. Uh, Literally, like, eyebrows went up. I was like, all right, interested. And on top of that, they decided to add the Harley Quinn character to Joker 2. And they are currently in talks with someone already to on board the the project to play harley in joker 2 the musical oh my god i'm ready lady gaga Ah, it's gonna be terrible (laughs) i pray i pray if there is a god she will just do her voice from gucci (laughs) the entire time she'll just do whatever accent that was but also sing and dance in it Thank you, God. <laughs> I think that that's the only thing that's, 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 I think that I would be sold after that. I, w- I want to watch this thing crash, burn, and topple over a mountain. <laughs> I'm ready. I love it. <laughs> um, then, lastly, I wanted to talk about uh, two trailers that came out recently. The first, both of them are Netflix. The first is a recent adaptation, uh, it's coming out soon, of the Jane Austen novel Persuasion, Mm -hmm. starring Dakota Johnson. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dear, what did you think of of the Persuasion trailer? It reminds me of what I think that um, Marie Antoinette movie is supposed to be like. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a joke. It's making fun of the thing, right? Woo! Like, it, I mean, I don't know anything about the book, but just watching that made me go, I don't think I want to read that book. <laughs> like, I don't think I want to watch that movie. No. Uh, um, like, like at all. It um, felt almost like, uh, like a Nicholas Sparks yeah, story. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, I'm, I'm really... And I know that that's not what it is. No, it, it, it... It felt like it was, like, winking at me too many times. And I was like, please stop it. (laughs) And it was always from Dakota. Yeah. She feels too aware. Oh, yeah, no. I, she, she's telling me that she got paid to do this. And uh, you don't have to tell me, Dakota. I have eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, it just, it looks, it looks really bad. Um... Um, and also I guess I'm going to, I'm going to talk on this for just a second. From what I can tell from the casting, I like the fact that they're over here and like being the joke of this, um, that they're over here being like the main cast is definitely these two white people, which is a, always a fact. Definitely always, you know, main people are white. That's fine. It's, it's a theme in Hollywood, but then they had the nerve to be like, oh, but maybe we're going to have this flirtationship with this this Asian guy. And I was like, if you got it's they're really throwing in random diversity for me where I don't see why then knowing that there is some diversity in the cast, why these people were chosen as our leads. 
No, I get that. You know, like, there is someone better. No, I totally understand. And I think that that would might, like, lean more into it being, like, this isn't obviously supposed to be a real, you know, copy and paste of history. Like, this is a, this is a dramatic version of history. Like, Hamilton. You know? Like, obviously, you know, Thomas Jefferson doesn't have an afro. But that's not the point. No, yeah. You know, but now this is just being like, we're doing exactly what you expect with a twist. (laughs) No, I mean, I really can't disagree with you at all. I think Um, that it should totally be doing more like Brandy's Cinderella, where it was like diversity out the ass. You know, it was great. The only white person that you see for a good little bit is, um, oh, uh, it's not Victor Garber. It's the... It doesn't matter. Oh, uh, well, the, the king and um, and one of the stepsisters. Oh, I guess in Bernadette. But Bernadette's fantastic. But still, you know, that's, that's more inclusive. No, for sure. Uh, the other trailer that just came out just like a few hours ago from, from us recording this was Blonde. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of the Blonde? Blonde is, is the new film based on the Joyce Carol Oates novel. And it's about Marilyn Monroe. Uh, Dear, what did you think of the blonde trailer? Um, okay. What did, what did I, what did I think about the blonde trailer? It's a teaser trailer, so you really only get about, like, a minute of footage. Yeah, um. And of actual footage is generous, because you have title cards in that bitch as well, so it's probably 45 seconds. It's really vague. It's really vague looking so far. I think that like I'm interested in it, but kind of only for the casting choice. I I want to I want to see how much work she put into into masking her her very prominent accent. I I want I want to hear it. I'm curious. Um I liked the the blonde trailer a lot more than the persuasion trailer even though it was so vague if only because well yeah i mean if we're comparing it to that one then yes of course slam dunk the funk i am of course very interested i love the black and white and i don't know there was this this wonderful strange sort of uh creepy it was victor garber it was victor garber i second guessed myself i had to look it up guys just fyi this wonderful strange sort of creepy air to that transition to that huge big smile at the end and like she looks so great at the part but like i was just so entranced with that moment like it was a really captivating little moment that i was like you know that's exciting remember when teaser trailers used to just be that moment yeah you know like that was the all you got you got like that you know, maybe the line right before it when he's like, you know, she'll be here. And then it's the look up and Marilyn is there. You know, I, I think that that would have been, I think that that would have been more interesting than like that moment after a whole bunch of me going, what the hell is this movie even going to be about? You know what I mean? Like I had too much time with it. I think I just wanted the, 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 the splash and then be done. No, I get where you're at. Just to dip in the pool. Um, that's pretty much all that I have, though, in terms of news, as far as what we're watching. We haven't really watched anything since our last recording. 
Um. Where's the the notebook? I mean, as a as a movies. Oh, we've been watching some Stranger Things. That's about it, really. Yeah. Yeah, um... Stranger Things 4. We're about, what, halfway through the season currently? Yeah, a little bit over. Um, I'm really enjoying 4 a lot so far. Yeah, 4 has been a blast. I'm I'm really curious of where this is going to go, honestly. Um, COVID did them good. But the, the, the big thing that we've been doing lately is um, I, I decided to break down and I bought a PlayStation VR. And... Um, Dear, what have you thought so far of our VR experience? Um, I think that it's... <laughs> I think that the controls are a little hit or miss, but I think that it's weighed more in, in how ridiculous the whole experience truly is in, like, a nutshell. And I think that's where, like, a lot of the fun comes from. And also, like, it's it's, it's a really cool concept. Um, It's definitely not something that you're supposed to, like, do for hours. I think that you would literally burn your retinas out of your skull. <laughs> no, your your eyes would start to, to hurt. Like act because it's 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 so close to your face and I I remember like the first night we did it I played for like an hour and like after I took it off I was like I can't really look at anything anymore like I have to stop I have to close my eyes and, and just, just be and just give be them done. a break a second yeah exactly I have to you know just the darkness is so nice you know <laughs> but no I'm I'm I think that it's it's a lot of fun it's a it's a weird experience um we've been playing the Rick and Morty virtual yeah. rickality game um <laughs> which has its mechanic flaws <laughs> to say the least picking up things is a is a two-hour endeavor <laughs> <laughs> of you fighting with the camera to be in range to pick up the thing but the thing is in the back of a shelf and you need it <laughs> and um we've been also playing the the walking date the walking dead game not the one based off of the the graphic novel, but the one you are Rick Grimes. Yeah, like you are Rick Grimes as he is the TV show. Yeah, yeah like you hang out with Daryl, um, and and I guess my my only flaw with that is is literally how close you have to get to to zombies to like physically interact with them. Like you, personal space is 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 warped i think a little bit like i can reach you and you're two feet away from me like i feel like in the in the goggles i'm like i could smell their armpits <laughs> <laughs> i was so close you know <laughs> no i totally get where you're at i i've really enjoyed the experience i agree that there are definitely some some flaws in some of the uh partially some of our setup right now but also in 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 some of the ways that the mechanics do function in, in some of the grabbing of things and, and that. Um, but for the most part, I'm honestly loving it. I haven't regretted the purchase yet. I'm having a real blast doing it. Uh, oh, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna play no. it hopefully some tonight as well. Uh, no regrets. No. No, none, none of those regrets. No, <laughs> no regrets here. Um, it's, it's, it is a lot of fun, and it's it's been a new toy, and we have so many other games that we haven't even tried playing yet. Um, because we're too busy trying to get past one level in Rick and Morty. <laughs> At a time. Um, <laughs> but no, that's, that's pretty much all that we have as, as part of the main show. I now want to do this last little part. Uh, so to help raise awareness for next week's episode, which is our final Pride episode, I decided that we would do a little fun... A giveaway sort of event. So, 
I'm not sure. Uh, it's it's only it's only a U.S. sort of thing. So if you're an international listener, I do apologize. Uh, but if you are a U.S. listener, next week we're doing. Uh, I mean, obviously next week you can listen to the episode, but the giveaway is for U.S. listeners only. Next week we're doing Freaky with Madeline. She's gonna come on. We're gonna do a whole big horror pride episode next next Woo! week. This is this is a surprise. I didn't know that Mad was gonna be on the next week's episode. Yeah. Yay! And to hype that up, I decided that we should do a giveaway of some digital codes for some horror content. So I've got three digital codes. Uh, one is for Malignant. One is for the Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. And one is for Ash versus Evil Dead, the complete series. So... If you want a chance at winning one of these three codes, uh, what you have to go and do is you have to share an episode of the Film Buds that is your favorite, tag us in it, uh, and if you make it a horror episode, all the better. And next (laughs) next week, we're going to announce the winners. We're going to pick at random. And so go out there, share your favorite episodes of the Film Buds, tag us in it, and you'll get entered into, and follow us, of course, and you'll get entered into a chance to potentially win one of these three codes. We've got uh, one that has a movie, one that has two movies, and one that has a whole TV show here on the line. So it's definitely pretty solid stuff. And if you like Malignant... uh, and I know that there are plenty of, of fans of the show, of the, of the movie, that listen to the show out there. Now's a chance to go and get it without having to pay a dime. There you go. It can't so, get any better than that. Go out there, share, 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 and uh, come back next week and find out if you're one of the lucky winners. Ooh. Maybe we'll each announce one. You know, oh. we've got three codes, and so we could, we could divvy it up. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I pick us keeping them i'm kidding um but that's pretty much all that i have for you guys dear do you have anything else that you would like to say to the listeners um go out there and 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 watch something new you know i i had a blast watching something new with with priscilla queen of the desert um it was an adventure for sure so go out there and 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 watch something unexpected out of out of the ordinary. You might like yeah. it. Try and find something that uh, that engages with a culture that you don't know that is that is preferably by that culture yeah. or that perspective. You know, so that way you can not just get it presented as fact, but get a sort of opinion on it. Yeah, because that can be so informative of of how we understand and engage with each other. Yeah, and also then it it widens the the medium as well, you know, because then we're not just focusing on on the U.S.'s version of everything. We're we're focusing on everybody's version of everything. Yeah, learn learn the classics. Learn learn things around the world. Expand the canvas. Exactly. Exactly. We can unite. We just have to work at it. Let's work together. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Thank you.
Uh, thanks as always, you guys, for listening. Again, please come back next week. We always love having you guys. We love talking with y'all. Go out, do something fun for Pride, and we'll see y'all next week. Bye! Bye.